Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Acquiescence. Acquiescence is the nothing personal word of the day. What does it mean? Acquiescence. It's the reluctant acceptance of something without protest. He acquiesced. It means eh, he didn't go crazy. He didn't agree. He didn't disagree. He just sort of it's, it's really the synonym for acquiescence is. Eh. Why is that my word of the day? Well, there was a story this weekend, Todd Gurley. Remember Todd Gurley? He's that running back for the Los Angeles Rams who signed that $60 million four-year deal and then got released a year into it and then was signed by the Atlanta Falcons, but the signing is not official because he can't have his physical quite yet. So one of the most famous ever Atlanta Falcons is Hall of Famer, greatest cornerback of all time, Coca told me, Deion Sanders, primetime Primetime war number 21 for the Falcons. Interestingly enough, the Atlanta Falcons do not retire any numbers. They have a ring of honor in their stadium, but no retired numbers. So Todd Gurley said, you know what? I've got a good idea. I'm going to take number 21. But first, I'm going to call Dion. So somehow he calls Dion because all celebrities have all celebrities numbers. It's, they can reach out to anyone they want. He calls Dion. And Dion sort of acquiesces. And then Gurley goes public and says, he's hating on me. He didn't want me to take his number. And then Dion Sanders responds tweets saying, I was just joking. It's very funny how things can get lost in textlation, isn't it? Is it possible that Todd Gurley never asked? Or is it possible that he asked and totally misunderstood what Dion responded? Or is it possible that Gurley wanted to get some good attention, so made it as though there was some sort of conflict because conflict sells? Well, I think what most likely happened is Todd Gurley spoke to Dion, and when I say speak, I probably mean text. That's what people say is speaking these days is when they just text. I don't get that. It's two different words. You text and you speak. When I text someone, I said, yeah, I texted with that person yesterday. But now people say, yeah, I spoke to her two days ago, and I said, oh, what did he or she say? Well, it was a text. Well, a text is not speaking. It's texting. It wouldn't be two different words if it were the same thing. So I think he texted Dion. Dion said, eh, eh. And then Gurley went public. Then Sanders had to go public. And guess what the bottom line result is? Period. Yeah, Gurley's wearing number 21. And we're only talking about this because, hey, why not? Acquiescence, nothing personal word of the day. MLB is going to Japan. That's the latest we heard this weekend. In another, what can only be described as brilliant, nonsensical, no chance, impossible to ever logistically take place. No 
possibility of the union acquiescing and allowing. Do you like that? Do you like the throw in of the word of the day into the second topic? No chance of the players union ever even slightly acquiescing to the possibility proffered this weekend by yet another leak that makes a plumberless faucet fixed by this nice Jewish guy here with 10 thumbs, all of which are black and not green. The leak was MLB considering taking the entire season over to Japan. (sighs) Okay. Let's talk about this because part of what we do here, nothing personal, is we have to tell you things that are going on. If you think they're interesting, I'm going to address it. If I think it's interesting, I'm going to address it. And if we both both think the same items are interesting, that's when our ratings go up. So I'm hoping this is one of those intersections because is it possible? Ooh, that was very, if you're watching this on YouTube or on the CBS channel, I just interlocked my fingers the way magicians do with two steel circles, and then they pull them apart, and they're impossible because they give it to a fan, and fans have a way to to pull them, and they can't come apart. But then you realize that there's sort of an exit mechanism that makes them come apart. That's what I just did with my fingers. I have no idea why I was doing this with my fingers, Coca, because it's a Monday morning or Monday afternoon. Why was I actually putting my fingers together in this hoop-like manner and pulling them apart as though I were the union and the owners? Is that what I was doing? Or was it MLB and playing in Japan, having a season and having that season in Japan? All of those are circles that can so easily be broken. Just broke them. Okay. Why? All right, let's start with the easy part. Zach Wheeler of the Philadelphia Phillies, who signed a $110 million free agent contract from the Mets, now playing for the Phillies, said, hey, I don't really want to go to Arizona and be sequestered, quarantined, and bubbled in Arizona because my wife is pregnant and I'm not missing the birth of my child. Okay, that's Arizona. Now let's picture Zach Wheeler when asked, hey, Zach, you're right. We agree with you. We have decided that we're not going to do the season in Arizona. Too complicated. It's too hot. We're not sure where Arizona is going to be in terms of the pandemic. We don't know where testing is, but we've got the perfect plan. We have decided to go to Japan. (laughs) I can't even say it with a straight face. I can't even say it with a straight face. You think players are going to get up and move for five months to Japan? You think the expense of getting everyone to Japan, somehow finding a way where there are not stadiums as close together in Japan as they are in Arizona. So the travel within Japan, forget the food and the translation required. Forget the fact that there won't be any fans and the expenses that will be taking place. Forget all of that. Logistically, let's talk about the reason why MLB wants to come back. TV, ratings, local, cable, regional sports network rights fees. So let me check my trusty world clock. I'm not texting Ichiro right now. Do you want to know why? Because I'm showing off that I could text him. No doubt. I actually was just texting him recently asking him whether he's working out every day. And he is. Do you know what time it is in Tokyo right now? It's 1.37 a.m. Ooh, 
Spoiler alert. It's 1237 Eastern when I'm taping this on a Monday. Sorry, Coco, I'm not supposed to reveal that. People know it's not live, but they also know I'm doing it from 1230 to 115. They know this is minute seven out of 45 minutes. It is 137 in the morning. I could have just said it is 13 hours ahead in Tokyo. That means a 7.05 game p.m. in Tokyo would be a 6 a.m. start East Coast, 3 a.m. West Coast. Not going to happen. Let's try another one. How about here we go. This is perfect. Perfect. How about a 1 a.m. start? That would be a noon start or a 9 a.m. start Pacific or better yet, let's go a 7 p.m. Pacific start. That is, wait for it, 11 a.m. Could that happen? Would the players like playing regular season games at 11 p.m., which would be 10 a.m. in the East Coast? No. How about an afternoon game, like a 3 p.m. game in New York? That'd be good for ratings. Yeah, that'd be a 4 a.m. start. Are you getting my drift? Oh, don't worry. They'll show it on tape like the NBA on CBS back in the 80s when the finals was on tape till late 11.30 p.m. Who doesn't remember that? MLB in Japan doesn't have a chance of happening. Literally, the reason why these plans are coming out and they're being addressed by me is because, A, I enjoy it and it's fun. But, B, when you have a think tank, even if it's not a Mensa convention, it is the job of the person in charge, this time being the commissioner and Tony Clark, the head of the Players Association, to take any idea and noodle it, massage it, workshop it, and then dismiss it. But if the leak comes post-idea dissemination, pre-workshop and dismissal, then you've got a nothing personal segment on why there's not going to be MLB in Japan. Now, we did have a baseball game yesterday. Yes, we did. Baseball's back. Who doesn't want to watch the CPBL? How desperate are you for live content? Do you want to watch the Chinese Professional Baseball League? Well, if you do, then you would have known raise your hand. It's weird. There's no studio audience. There's nobody watching me do this. How will I know if anyone is raising his or her hand? I guess I won't. Okay. I'm going to raise my hand. If I knew that the Chinese professional baseball league played its games in Taiwan, raise your hand. By the way, my hands are firmly at my sides. If you're listening to this, I had no idea. Baseball's on in Taiwan, but it's the Chinese Professional Baseball League. Start of the season. The first game, wait for it, the Uni President 7-11 Lions won the game 4-1 in 11 innings over the China Trust Brothers. Highlights at 11. No fans in the stands, only robots. Robots in the stands? Remember I mentioned to you about the Rakuten Monkeys? I got that wrong, Coca, again, for sure. But they put robots in the stands. Do you know that if I were running a team still and I had to save money, do you think I would spend $1 on buying a robot to put it in the stands to make fake noise so that the players would feel like there's 500 people in the stands? Well, no, I wouldn't, especially because the Marlins were used to not having a lot of people in the stands. But what about the sold-out stadiums? What about, like, in L.A.? You think 500 robots will do the trick? Justin Turner comes to the plate You've got Cody Bellinger on first base. The roar of the robots. No. It's Chinese baseball. It's back. 
I can't say I was interested. I thought I'd be more interested. I'm going to talk about later in the show. I was going to talk about the NBA horse competition because that was sort of live, but it felt like Memorex. Is anyone going to get that, Coca? Is it live or is it Memorex? I can't say to Google it because that offends everyone in the 18 to 34 demographic who listens to and watches Nothing Personal, for whom, by the way, I'm totally appreciative of everyone spreading the word about Nothing Personal. It's doing great. I'm very happy to be doing this. Episode number 113 right now on April 13th with a mute button but not a cough button. Ready? Go. That was the cough. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. So you want to talk to Samson. This was something. What happened during this, uh, people, see, this is going to be a theme in the next uh, sort of 10, 15 minutes. How are people reacting to quarantining? What is it like to get into a new routine? And what does it cause you to do or say, either by text or by phone or by FaceTime, that you sort of wish you didn't text or say or FaceTime? And you're doing things that you otherwise would find yourself not doing, thinking things that you otherwise would find yourself not thinking, and saying things that you for sure would otherwise find yourself not saying. Unless it's true that in a time of stress, you actually say things that you always think, but always have the filter on so you would never say. But when your filter's off because you're tired, grumpy, and your hair's too long, and your face itches from a beard, and you're in yesterday's clothes, you know you've got to wear them again tomorrow because you don't feel like doing laundry. You can't figure out whether or not you've wiped your groceries well enough. And on top of that, you're running perilously short of supplies that you didn't think you'd ever run short of. If all of those things happen, does that mean that you would say things that you otherwise wouldn't say? Well, I'm going to ask Ronda Rousey that. I've got her holding right now in the other ear. She, uh, you've heard of her, right? She won a, actually an Olympic medal in judo. I think that's why she's famous. I think it was a bronze medal in maybe the 08 Olympics, some sort of uh, judo winner. And uh, Coca is yelling at me right now. She's the UFC women's champion. I know that, Coca. And so does everybody else. I was making a joke telling you a little tiny nugget about her that maybe no one would have known as a way to describe her. Of course, no one got that. But how do I know if anyone gets it? Because no one's here listening. In any case, Ronda Rousey. She gave an interview that, boy, do I think she wants back. Not as badly as Kyle Larson wants back what he did, which is next. Yeah, I'm mixing up topics. I don't often do that. Ronda Rousey, here's her comments. When asked whether she wants to continue going back full-time to UFC, 
or even WWE or anything. She said, I've been on the road basically 200 years, 200 days a year. It really impacts my family. And then here it goes. Quote, so it's just like, what am I doing it for if I'm not being able to spend my time and energy on my family? But instead of spending my time and my energy on a bunch, let me, okay, I'm starting over because inflection matters. Inflection matters. Ronda Rousey, quote, so it's just like, what am I doing it for if I'm not being able to spend my time and energy on my family? But instead, I'm spending time and my energy on a bunch of effing ungrateful fans that don't even appreciate me. I love performing. I love the girls. I love being out there. But at the end of the day, I was just like, F these fans, dude. Close quote. There's three rules when you make your money from other people paying to watch you do what you do. So let me give an example of people who do things where they don't get paid for people to watch what they do. Lawyers, doctors, construction workers, producers, window washers, everybody in the janitorial world, teachers, clockmakers, gaffers, grips, soundboard makers, and Amazon package stuffers. Those are groups of people who get paid because they are performing a service and they get paid by their employer because those services are critical, critical. But they are not paid because people are paying to watch them do what they do. Actors, an example. Athletes, an example. People in the media, an example. Those people are all being paid because people actually want to listen to what they have to say or watch them speak the words that other people have written. Ronda Rousey has never made one nickel for any other reason other than the fact that fans are willing to watch her beat the crap out of other women or to engage in fake fighting or real fighting, whatever it is the WWE is, right? That's how she makes her living. Rule number one of people who make a living because other people are willing to pay to watch you do what you do. Rule one is don't be a racist. We'll get back to that. Rule two. Don't MF the fans and say they don't count and they don't matter. You have to thank them and act like they do even when you feel like you don't. We've said this before on Nothing Personal. We'll say it again. Every time an owner wins a championship trophy, a World Series trophy, the NBA championship, the Stanley Cup, they get handed the cup. They look out and they say, this is for you, fans. They're kidding. It's not for us. It's for them. But they have to say it because as fans, we're the ones who are paying money. Ronda Rousey. I don't know why she would do that, but it's going to cost her. It's going to cost her because fans don't forget that. Because there's nothing worse as a fan than actually feeling as though that the person you're rooting for and the person you love and the person you're cheering for and the person you're gambling on, there's nothing worse than thinking that those people don't give a crap about you. 
No matter how true you may think it is and how pragmatic you are in thinking the fact that, in fact, athletes actually don't care much about the fans, you don't want to be reminded of it ever. But Ronda Rousey violated that. Completely violated it. Kyle Larson did too. Who's Kyle Larson? If you don't know who Kyle Larson is by the end of the day, then you're not paying attention. Kyle Larson is a driver who is on the big league level of NASCAR. Why am I saying big league level of NASCAR? Because I found out recently that there are minor league NASCAR levels. Isn't that amazing? In any case, Kyle Larson's grandparents are fully Japanese, which means that Kyle Larson is half a quarter Japanese. I had to do the math there for a minute. He's got one set of grandparents who are Japanese. He's a quarter Japanese. Kyle Larson, it is said, is half Japanese. But in order to be half Japanese, that means that one of his parents, both parents are Japanese. So that means one of his parents is Japanese, and that would make him half Japanese. Kyle Larson is half Japanese. He is the first half Japanese player, the only driver of Japanese descent, the only one to ever win a major NASCAR race. On top of that, he actually ascended through NASCAR up from the minors to the major leagues through something called their, quote, drive for diversity campaign. So that's the backdrop. Now let's set up the game. There are no NASCAR races now, so they're doing virtual NASCAR races. Virtual NASCAR races are when you grab the wheel and it's a virtual race. You're in your house, you're quarantined, you're playing a video game that everybody's watching. You're driving, you're speaking to the other drivers. It is amazing entertainment. Everyone is totally excited. They're cheering, they're betting, they're pumped up. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Kyle Larson drops the N-bomb. Game over. Rule number one, don't be racist. Kyle Larson immediately was suspended. And he was suspended in a way that uh, his, his sponsor, his main team, right? In NASCAR, you've got teams. His main team is Chip Ganassi, the Chip Ganassi racing team. They've suspended Kyle Larson. And uh, I want to read to you a quote in a statement that they came out with. And let me tell you, it didn't take long for their statement to come out. And here it was. We are extremely disappointed by what Kyle said last night during an iRacing event. The words that he chose to use are offensive and unacceptable. As of this moment, we are suspending Kyle without pay while we work through this situation with all appropriate parties. I got to talk about it. What a load of crap. While we work through this situation with all appropriate parties. So let me tell you, when uh, Ozzie Guillen uh, had a love fest with Fidel Castro, one of the first things we had to do once we apologized on behalf of Ozzie Guillen, once we separated ourselves from those comments, the next thing we had to do was we had to get groups together, get parties together and work through this. For example, we got together leaders of the Cuban community in Miami. For example, we got together groups, let's say the NAACP, 
We got together with groups for the sole purpose where we knew that in order to start a healing process and in order to get our manager back on the road to recovery, knowing eventually we'd have to fire him anyway, because when you mention Castro in Miami, you're D-O-N-E. No matter what you D-O, you are D-O-N-E. But in this case, Chip Ganassi is getting every, all the parties together. He's going to convene focus groups. He's going to send Kyle Larson on an apology tour. It's not good enough when you're quarantined to do a video, which, by the way, Kyle Larson did right before he went on the air this, this afternoon at 1230 local time Eastern at one at a let at what at hold on, hold on at 1.30 a.m. Japanese time, Japan time. It's not Japanese time. It's just Japan time. I don't know, because it's not American time. It's Eastern Central Mountain Pacific. I have no idea. I'm just going to say what time it is in Tokyo. Larson posted a video, a video apology. I cannot believe what got into me. It's the right. It's textbook. We have it written as as a major league team. We've got the exact script for anyone who has an issue with race. We tell them exactly what they're going to say. We switch out the names and we may change a few words around, but they're all basically the same thing. This time we had to add a, hey, stay safe. And I'm thinking about you while you're quarantined. But it's always got the absolute. This is not what I'm like at all. This was an absolute unbelievable mistake. There is no excuse for it. I'm going to do anything I can in my power to recover and to rehabilitate my image. And I hope that I can ask for forgiveness during these difficult times. Not reflective of me. Really? Do people actually talk that way when it's not reflective of what they think? Can you say racist things without being racist? Can you make racist comments or racist jokes or racist race? It's time out. Can you, thank you, Coca, can you make racist comments or racist jokes and think they're funny or not funny and say them without being a racist? If that word is in your vocabulary and it's something that comes out so naturally, like every once in a while, I swear for sure. I mean, you've heard it. We've had Mikey who's had to rub and bleep the absolute show several times during these times of quarantine. I'm not going to be so rude as to drop an F-bomb and make Mikey actually get out of the pool. I'm just kidding. He actually has a remote control device where he won't get electrocuted and enables him to work full time with copper tone. There's no way I'm going to make him scrub this by saying an F-bomb, but I do. I say him. I say F-bombs, S-bombs. I say all sorts of right swear words. I call him curse, not cuss. I don't know what cuss is. I don't cuss. I definitely curse. But that's not being racist. But if I do it in my real life, I do it on this show. What Kyle Larson did is a major problem. It violates the number two rule, the number one rule. Remember, we had three rules. One, don't be a racist. Two, don't do anything to disparage your fans. Three, don't violate rules one and two. Those are the three rules, two of which were broken. Kyle Larson's got a lot of work to do. He's currently suspended. Sponsors are going to start running away from him. There's no question about it. You don't drop the N-bomb and then say, oh, that wasn't me. I don't even know why I did that. It's out of the question. I would never do that. Okay. I won't take your word for that, Kyle. Did anyone hear Isaiah Ryder last night or yesterday? 
Isaiah Ryder had quite an interview. He's a former NBA player. And the interview was fine. But there was a little nugget contained in there that there was no way I was going to let not be a part of today's Nothing Personal. So Isaiah Ryder was on the Los Angeles Lakers back when Shaquille O'Neal was a Laker and back when Kobe Bryant was a Laker. For those of you who may not know, Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant did not like each other at all. No matter what happened, and there was some detente before Kobe tragically passed away earlier this year, I thought it was actually years ago. It turns out it's months ago only and uh, hard to imagine. We've talked about the fact that time is a very strange concept in this day of this quarantine of this pandemic. But as it turns out, Isaiah Ryder played with Shaq and Kobe three days into Isaiah Ryder's career as a Laker. Three days. Shaquille O'Neal comes up to him and says, listen, I got $10,000 for you if you will start a fight with Kobe and practice and beat the crap out of him. That's quite a concept. As someone who has never been in sports listening to that, who loves the Lakers, who doesn't want to believe that Shaq and Kobe actually didn't get along, and you hear that Shaq was offering 10K for Isaiah Ryder to beat up Kobe Bryant, there's only two things that would come to your head. Number one, it was, he was obviously kidding. Number two, 10 grand? He's not doing that for 10 grand. That's Kobe Bryant. You got to hold out like for 100K or a million. Well, it turns out Isaiah Ryder chose not to do it, but it got me thinking, is it real? So I went back to me in my uh, 18 years with players and thinking about, would 10 grand be enough to get one player to beat up another player? So I went back over the years and uh, I got to tell you a funny story about Dan Ugla and Hanley Ramirez. So Hanley Ramirez, nicknamed H2R, Hanley Ramirez, Great player. We traded for him from the Red Sox on a fateful Thanksgiving day. I think it was our Thanksgiving trade. I may be wrong on that, but I think it was back in oh, Thanksgiving of 05 is when I think we traded for Hanley Ramirez and Annabelle Sanchez and traded Beckett and Lowell over to Boston. And we had Hanley, just a top prospect, an immediate starting shortstop, Annabelle Sanchez going to the rotation. And uh, couldn't have been more excited. Hanley comes over, and he is a talent. Hanley Ramirez is one of the top seven talents I ever saw in, in, in a clubhouse I was in over 18 years. Just natural and unreal. His sort of downfall came when he started to want to be more like Manny Ramirez and started changing his approach. He got much bigger. He lifted too much. And uh, he's out of the game now. But he, had a, he could have been better. There's no doubt. But he's a really, really, really good guy. Except when he was playing, he was not liked at all. And you know this, Hanley, if you're watching. And Uggs, we talked about it. You love the guy. I love the guy. But you know very well that you would have beaten the crap out of him. Remember that time in 2010 when he kicked the ball and didn't hustle and Freddie Gonzalez had to bench him? Remember that got Freddie fired, even though it shouldn't have gotten Freddie fired? One of the things that got Freddie fired, Freddie got fired with Tom Green. Is Tom Green and Freddie got fired? I think it's called Freddie Got Fingered, Coca. But I was trying to make a joke. Freddie Got Fired, Freddie Got Fingered. And I don't know whether that's Tom Green, but it may have. And that may not even be the right name of the movie. In any case, back in the day I was speaking to Ugla, back in those times of 2010 when Hanley was driving people absolutely crazy, would Ugla have beaten him up during batting practice for $10,000?
The answer is, yeah, until he started making more money, and then it would have been like 100K. See, it's all about the money. Now. Isaiah Ryder had too much money at that time. 10 grand wasn't enough. Shaquille had to offer him way more than 10 grand. It doesn't mean that Shaq was always going to hate Kobe. It doesn't mean that they couldn't play with Kobe on the field together, on the court, which is why they won championships together. But the hatred between Shaq and Kobe was real. The hatred between teammates is real. It happens when you're with someone for so long. It happens every day, day in, day out, in baseball especially. Players get on each other's nerves. Players get on executives' nerves. Executives get on players' nerves. All of it, this is absolutely normal in every way. Ten grand. You know what was weird about that story that got me thinking? And I'm going to just leave you with this, and I'm not going to answer the question. Why would Shaquille O'Neal have $10,000 all in singles in his locker in the clubhouse, locker room? Shaquille O'Neal with 10,000 singles. What does one do with 10,000 singles? Here comes the rain again, falling on my head like a memory. It's raining, man. Hallelujah. I think Shaquille O'Neal was going to make it rain. All right, I announced something this weekend. It's the Quarantine Lifetime Best Picture Challenge. If you follow me on Twitter at David P. Sampson, you can DM me, ask me any questions. The Ronda Rousey was a question from So You Want to Talk to Sampson earlier this show. I think I may have forgotten to mention that. But I tweeted out a picture that I had made a list of every movie that's won Best Picture since the year I was born, which was 1968. Yes, there have been 51 best pictures since I was born. And it turns out that I had seen 48 out of the 51. But I am giving this challenge to everyone. Go watch the best picture winner of every year that you were born. It's worth it. There are phenomenal movies on your list. Take my list. If you're older, you got to add a few. I heard from someone born in 1965. I had to add The Sound of Music for their list. I had to add A Man for All Seasons, and I had to add In the Heat of the Night, not with Carol O'Connor. I don't think. I think he was in the TV show In the Heat of the Night, but I could be thinking of something completely different. Carol O'Connor, I think, is Archie Bunker from All in the Family. He played a sheriff or a cop in In the Heat of the Night. Again, I could be wrong. In any case, if you're born in 1980, then you only have to watch from 1980 on. So I had three to go. The 1968 best picture, which was Oliver. Then I have to watch Patton. Then I have to watch The Sting. I've never watched The Sting. So I watched Oliver yesterday. I want to review the 1968 best picture winner. And it is a musical. No idea. It is the first. It was the last British movie to win best picture until Chariots of Fire won it again in 1981. It was the last musical to win Best Picture until Chicago won. Yes, Chicago. It'll be on your list. It's from the 2000s. 
This is a movie that is based on the book by Charles Dickens called Oliver Twist. It's about an orphan played by Mark Lester who can't sing, but the daughter of one of the crew members or one of the writers or producers dubs in the music. It's a musical about an orphan who runs away and basically is run into a place where he has to be a pickpocket. It sort of reminded me of Slumdog Millionaire in that these kids were brought up to become beggars. It's a nightmare. And then he escapes and he finds a way into a very wealthy man's arms. And then he gets kidnapped. And meanwhile, there's a lot of singing. I've heard some of the songs before. That's what's strange. Because I've only read the cliff notes to Oliver Twist. And I never saw any plays or musicals of Oliver. Never saw the movie before. But for whatever reason, I recognize some of the songs. In any case... Two hours and 33 minutes, including, wait for it, an intermission. Yes, there's an intermission in the movie. One of the stars of the movie is named Oliver Reed, whose uncle Carol Reed was the director. Oliver Reed's an actor who died in 2000 while filming his last movie, which was Gladiator. He had a heart attack while filming Gladiator with Russell Crowe, another Best Picture winner. So Oliver Reed was in two Best Picture winners. And it turns out that Gladiator had to spend an extra three to four million dollars because there were still scenes to be filmed. So they had to have a body double film the Oliver Reed scenes and then plaster Oliver Reed's head on the scenes. Oliver Reed died in a pub. He was a recovering alcoholic and for five hundred and seventy five dollars or six hundred dollars or whatever it was, he went on one final binge. So for all of you bingers out there, binge Netflix. Don't binge alcohol because he had the big one. But this is back when Oliver Reed was young. He was, it was 1968. It was 32 years before he died. That's when he was in Gladiator. Died in 2000. He's the one with the gray beard. Anyway, like this, way more gray. I don't want to say that I loved Oliver, but I want to say that I love the fact that I watched it. I want to say that I appreciate the fact that I'm going to watch every best picture in my lifetime, because I'm going to complete the quarantine lifetime best picture challenge. Oliver, it's a musical. If you only have time in your life for one musical that you're going to watch, I mean, there's a bunch of great ones. I love the music man, guys and dolls, but Moulin Rouge is my favorite musical of all time. I didn't mind Chicago. I love La La Land. I don't know if La La Land's a musical. It sort of is a musical. Anyway, Oliver's a total musical. It's music. Oliver. Day 29. I was telling Coca as we were preparing for the show that we haven't had a razor to our face in four weeks, although he's cheating because he's, um, I don't know what the word is when you try to trim it and make yourself look good by, by basically cutting below your neckline and cutting sort of your cheek line because Coca has these amazingly defined cheeks, according to him, and he wants to make sure that there's no hair coming out of them. Not that there could be because his beard is natty, natty with the G. Day 29 of the Beer Challenge, we're giving away $1,000 a day to each team. That'll cover us for 30 days. Guess what? We've got one day left tomorrow. Does anyone remember, did I skip a team? Because today I'm discussing Texas, Toronto, and the Nationals. Today, the Texas Rangers Foundation, the Toronto Blue Jays Foundation, and the Washington Nationals Foundation is getting $1,000. Wah is close to the end of the alphabet, but definitely the end of the MLB alphabet, which means it should be day 30, but it's not. It's day 29. Which team did I miss? 
I guess you're going to have to tune in tomorrow to nothing personal because tomorrow will be day 30. But in any case, please go to your team's foundation. It has never been more important than it is. We don't know how long this is going to last, this pandemic. Please, if possible, donate anything you can. 19 cents, $19, $190 for COVID-19. The team foundations know what to do with it to help people in need. And there are people in need. And I understand that you may be one of them. But just think about this. The rule of charity, you give away $1, you get two back. I learned that from someone. Learned it from my grandfather. Give a dollar away to charity, you'll make two. Charity matters. Texas, Toronto, and the Nationals. What's my best Texas, Toronto, Nationals story? I mean, the Toronto story, you know, when we made the trade with the, with the Blue Jays. That's not a good one. I mean, it's, so it's a great one. It's the greatest story ever, but I've told it. Texas, yeah, you think they need a roof? Yes, they do. Ah. Nationals. How about a national story? So this is a story of me being, this, this actually happened. I was in the uh, tunnel in Washington in their new ballpark. So they had a ballpark built. They started in RFK Stadium. Now they play in Nationals Park. And the way the team bus works at Nationals Park, it pulls into a ramp. And it's a ramp that's on an angle. And so they put the brake on and uh, you get off and then you walk through it through the uh, tunnel to get to the clubhouse. And in order to get to the clubhouse, you actually are walking quite a ways around the ballpark because the ramp is much more convenient for the home team. The home clubhouse is right there because, of course, you design a ballpark to the benefit of the home team, not to the benefit of the visiting team. So one time I was walking through the home park, and I don't know what got into me. I may have been grumpy at the moment because we had not been playing well or we had, couldn't find a way to beat the Nationals. And I always wanted to beat the Nationals, always, because I wanted to beat anyone in the NL East. The, my least favorite teams would be any team in the NL East because obviously that's where I live my life. And uh, I happened to walk by the presidents without heads. So they have presidents races. And the way it works is like when we used to have the sea creature race before it was eliminated by the new group. And it's, it's like mascots. All mascots have human beings underneath. And it's their real bodies. And what they do is they put like a head covering over their head and they look out through the mouth or they look out through a nose. They never look out through the eyes because the eyes are generally, never say never, but generally the eyes are much higher and taller. The president's race is a race that they do in Washington every day. And you've got Washington and Jefferson and I can't remember the other two. It could be Lincoln. It could be Roosevelt. And they race around the outfield, and it's hugely cheered, hugely popular, and everything's great. I love it because I love these mascot races because I love when everyone's creative, and I love when there's gimmicks like we had where the octopus in Florida was never allowed to win. And there's always something about the president's race and how wins and, and, and how they win. So I'm walking by him one day. Before this is pregame. So this is we would get to the ballpark. The, it would be for a seven o'clock game. The last bus would be a three thirty bus. You get to the park at three fifty. So call it three fifty three p.m. And so the mascots were walking through the tunnel and they were walking and they didn't have their heads on and they were rehearsing and talking about that day's race. And what I realized is that when I am running a team. I'm aware of how fixed everything is because I'm the one who's fixing it. 
But as a fan, I totally forget that what I do in our ballpark is exactly the same that they do in their ballpark. And that it's all planned and they discuss amongst themselves. Hey, I don't feel great. I'm totally hungover. I don't want to win today. I'm really going to stay back. Hey, I'm not allowed to win because we were told by our head of marketing that it's got to be Roosevelt today. Hey, just remember, Jefferson, that you're going to get hip checked by the third baseline because someone's going to come out of the stands. He's a wrestler and we're going to get a lot of cheers. Hey, by the way, are we ready? Are we good? I totally had forgotten till that moment that that's how it is in every ballpark. Isn't it weird when you do something, but you assume that everyone else doesn't do it that way? It's like when your name's in the media. Have you ever, if your name is ever in the paper, you read the article and you look for your name in the paper, you focus on it, you obsess over it. You think that everyone is totally focused on that letter in that sentence and what's being read and that they're interpreting in the way you're interpreting it and they're discussing it and obsessing over it the way you are with your friends and family and coworkers. But it turns out that when you read, read articles about other teams and other executives, you totally glance over it when you see names of people you know, you sort of give it a thought for a second and then you never think about it again. You totally forget about it and it's really no big deal at all, except you can never remember that when it's about yourself. But then when you think about it, you realize, wait a minute, the truth of the matter is, hey, other people are reading way past this the way I'm not. So I should just relax and keep calm and not worry what other people are saying about me. Hmm. So I thought I was the only team where we fixed the races. It turns out, nope. Everyone does. ML Beer Challenge Day 29. <sighs> wait to see. So wait to see is when I become accountable. I'm always accountable. I tell you how it is. How is it that Trey Young lost the horse competition? How is it that you watched the horse competition? Did you? I respect NBA for trying to get live content on. I was all excited for 7 p.m. Eastern time. Live horse Chauncey Billups, Paul Pierce, Trey Young, Zach Levine, Mike Conley, etc. That's all I could remember off the top of my head. And guess what? It was so bad. It was so bad. Zach Levine was amazing. He came up with actual fun shots. Do you think maybe when they were choosing who was going to participate, they could have chosen people who had access to indoor gyms, who actually were part of indoor gyms, who had them in their own homes? Do you think maybe they could have found a way to get better cameras, better connections? Ah, yeah. I'm supposed to leave allowances for the fact that this is times of quarantine and that it's okay when the quality of the broadcast is not as good. You're right. Look at me. I'm sitting here in the apartment studio. I get it. You may not be able to see me well with my light, or maybe you can. I think you can. That's how bright it is. I had Trey Young winning. He lost in the first round. It's an outrage. Let me tell you, when you're ambidextrous, ambidextrous in horse, you're going to win. Wait to see Young lost. I lost it. But semis and finals are coming up Thursday. Guess what? I've got Conley beating Levine in the finals because Conley can do it with both hands. And when he can do it with both hands, trust me, you're going to win a lot more than you're going to lose. Plus, you have a good chance at horse. I don't blame anybody. I don't blame the NBA. I don't at all. 
They sat down with their broadcast partners and they said, guys, we got to do something because guess what? No matter what anyone does, no matter how much they critique, you know very well that this is business. It's business. It's business.